Welcome to the Surrounded by Valor podcast. My name is Mary. The definition of valor is courage in the face of danger. I try to surround myself with people who embody valor because they help me become better and hopefully you too. My intention with this podcast is to share thoughts, stories, and conversations that will inspire, educate, and enlighten all of us. Stories of regular people like you and me who've had extraordinary experiences. As the saying goes, nobody rides for free. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and thanks so much for joining us. Welcome. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Today, I have some listener questions and some coaching thoughts to share with you all. And as always, if you have any questions about anything, send them on over. First question, what do you think of devices such as continuous glucose monitors and pulse oximeters for use in training? It's funny that I've got this question this week. I feel like continuous glucose monitors are um, kind of a hot topic right now. I don't know why. I don't know if a study came out or if there's a big sales pitch for them. Um, so my opinion about these comes from my nursing background. A continuous glucose monitor is a device that is used to determine or detect or monitor the amount of glucose in the blood, to put it very, very simply. From a nursing standpoint, um, I grew up with a type 1 diabetic brother, and um, there's also type 2 diabetes. In type 1 diabetes your pancreas does not produce insulin. In type 2 diabetes, typically you get as an older person, quote, typically, um, that's when the cells don't uptake the insulin. Why do I talk about insulin? Well, in a normal, healthy person, insulin is what regulates your blood glucose. And again, I'm being very, very simple about this. I could go on for hours about the topics of diabetes and all that. So I'm being very, very simple. Um, a normal healthy adult, as I said, has produces insulin, and that's what regulates blood glucose. A quote normal range, and there's always plus and minus in this, is about 80 to 120. So if you're a healthy person who produces insulin, if you have food, <laughs> your glucose, your blood glucose is going to rise. What you have that a type 1 diabetic does not have is insulin, which will bring it back down. Um, so in terms of how a continuous glucose monitor plays a role in training, I don't really understand. It doesn't really make sense to me. Um, so I'm not sure that it's a really good tool to use. I think that if you're going to spend money, I would spend it on a registered dietitian to help you figure out your nutrition. I don't feel like it's worth it um, for an athlete to have one of these. I don't understand the benefit of training. Um, if you're someone, if you're an athlete who tends to bonk a lot or tends to fall into what is called like hypoglycemia, before I would start looking at a continuous glucose monitor, I would engage the help of a registered dietitian who could help you with your overall nutrition because I would bet and make a big guess that you're maybe not eating enough in general. So that's kind of a simplistic way to put it. it it's funny to me that um, these continuous glucose monitors are so readily available to you know everybody to buy. And in years past, as these devices developed, they were kind of a struggle for type 1 diabetics to get. So it's kind of funny to me. So to be honest, I don't think it's a huge benefit. I mean, when you take in sugar of any kind, 
Um, there's various forms of sugar, complex carbohydrates. Again, your blood sugar is going to rise. That's not a bad thing. That's just what the body does. And if you're a healthy person who produces insulin, your insulin is going to do its job and regulate that. Um, I'm not understanding what the use is in training or what the hype is about, um, but feel free to educate me and let me know. So to make a long story short, I don't think it's a great device. If you're going to invest money in something, I would grab a registered dietitian to help you. Another thing, I don't, I haven't seen these around as much lately, but for a while, um, athletes were like using pulse oximeters, which is a little device that we use in the hospital that, you know, gives us a, a, a pretty good reading of how much, again, to put it simply, oxygen's floating around in your body. A typical adult, again, plus or minus is going to be above 90%. Um, if you... I'm not sure what the benefit of using that in training is. You're, a healthy person is going to always be in the 90s. Um, should you be 100 versus 96? So there's nuances to these devices, and, and they're not super accurate. When we're in the hospital, we look at the patient first. If someone comes in with an O2 or SpO2 of you know, 89, we're going to look at them first, um, not, not the reading on the monitor. So again, I'm not sure how a pulse oximeter is really going to help you in training. Um, again, I haven't seen those around in a while. I, um, I think that if you're going to invest in things, it would be coaching, uh, registered dietitian, things like that. We're going to get into a couple more devices a little bit later on too. So, um, those are my opinions on those. Feel free to send me, um, literature. I love to look at studies that are not funded by the companies that make these devices, send them on over. I'm happy to learn. Um, again, on the line of devices, should I consider a whoop strap, an aura ring or something like that? I think that these are pretty good devices that give you pretty good data. One thing I would say is don't let perfect be the enemy of good. I think these devices give you good data. They'll do things like track your HRV, your sleep, things like that, and kind of help you determine how ready you are for big training or things like that. Um, one thing I'll add in there is the Garmin, Garmin devices often have what's called a body battery that take a couple little parameters into consideration when they give you like your body battery score. Um, I think all of these do a pretty good job. I do have a friend who works for NASA who told me that astronauts use the Aura Ring. But I again, I think uh, these, these devices do a pretty good job um, and they are not a bad metric of helping you gauge as an athlete how recovered you are, um, how much sleep you get. The sleep trackers tend to have their own nuances. I mean, everyone's had a great night of sleep. You know, when my feet hit the floor, I can tell you if I had a good night of sleep or not. And then my Garmin will say I didn't. But I know that that's not true. Or I'll be up all night and my Garmin will be like, awesome sleep. So I think that you have to use all these devices with a grain of salt. Personally, I have a couple subjective scales that I use on a daily basis that I combine with objective scales to monitor how I feel. And I always put a heavier emphasis on the subjective. So things that I look at as an athlete, how do I feel overall on the scale of one to five? How is my sleep on the scale of one to five? Am I sore? Scale of one to five. And how is my mojo today? Then I'll take a look at like my body battery and my sleep and see if they match. And no matter what, I always go with subjective before objective. Um, so I think that these devices are excellent in helping you determine 
you know, your ranges and how you feel and things like that. I always caution, though, that you should never let devices be a dictator. Um, so again, just like we were talking about earlier with the continuous glucose monitors, take it all with a grain of salt. All of these things together are good. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. But ultimately, you yourself are your best monitor, if that makes sense. All right, next question. How did you get into coaching? Great question. I started coaching way back in 2004. Um, my friend Rich Clark, who owns Score This, had mentioned it to me that he thought I would be a good coach. I had done a lot of coaching and teaching before. Um, I was a sw- age group swim coach for a while through college. Um, and I taught you know, group fitness and things like that. And as a joke, with his company being Score This, I said, yeah, I could be like, train this. And then hung up the phone. And then I think I called him right back. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I, maybe that would be something that I would pursue. So um, I kind of got into coaching that way. You know, developing a coaching business in 2004 was not easy. I had um, one of the great things I learned from my dad was a lot of lessons of business, which I'll share in just a second. But back in 2004, I don't, I'm not sure that Training Peaks was out yet, but we used to um, send workouts back and forth on Excel files. That's how crazy it was. Um, and then, you know, Training Peaks came along and the USAT certifications came along and um, you just kind of rolled into it like that. I, I, really, um, I really found that while my own performances were fun and winning races was fun, it was so much more rewarding and gave a whole nother dimension to see people achieve their goals and to kind of dig in and figure it out with them, like what works for you, what works for this person in life. Um, In terms of business lessons from my dad, one of the, he taught me a couple things that I were completely invaluable. The first lesson of business he taught me was, it's okay to make a profit. You'd be surprised how many people, when I started coaching, condemned me for charging anything for coaching. And I didn't charge a lot back then. And I still don't. But the reason you go into business, he taught me, is to make a profit. It is okay to make a living. So that would be number one. The second thing he taught me was customer care. As long as you take care of your existing customers, the rest will fall into place. Don't worry about fancy marketing schemes and things like that. Take care of who you have. The rest will fall into place. One thing that was interesting that I experienced probably for the first six or seven years of my coaching career, back then, even in 2004, female coaches were kind of coming up in a man's coaching world. I had a lot of male coaches in the area say very crazy things to me, like, and I have emails from them saying, you know, I'm going to take your business, we're going to put you out of business, this and that. Um, I don't know why it was like that. But I'd take these, you know, instances to my dad. Another lesson he taught me is if your intention of going into business is to take someone else out of business, that's a bad, bad business plan. None of those coaches are in the sport anymore, much less coaching. I think that um, there's room for all coaches. There's tons of athletes around and what might be good... if I'm a good fit for you, you might not be a good fit for another coach and vice versa. We all have very different styles. And I really do believe that there's enough coaches for everybody. 
one of the things that we kind of started way back, uh, must have been in 2007, was uh, going up to Lake Placid doing camps and other coaches have jumped onto that and I love it. We started a swim camp that a lot of other coaches have modeled after. I love it. I think that's great. I'm very proud to kind of have been one of the people to start that trend. Um, and my coaching business used to be a lot bigger, but we've really scaled back. Um, I don't need to run the world. I don't need to own the market in coaching. I do have a full-time job as well. I'm a nurse and, um, I coach completely for the love of it. So this year I really trimmed down my coaching spots just so I could be better. Um, I felt like when I was coaching a lot of people, I did a good job, but when I'm coaching fewer people, I can do an excellent job. So coaching has been fun. I love that there's so many different coaches available and um, I just love to learn. I love to really dig in and see what fits athletes. I think that any anyone can hit numbers, anyone can execute a training plan, but we, when you can really dig in and understand the person, that's where the real lessons are and that's where the real education is. So I would say that if you are someone who is interested in getting into coaching, um, I highly recommend the USAT coaching certification. I think that especially over the past few years, it's really improved. Um, certification shows that you know you're insured, that you have an interest in your edu- in your own education, um, and there's a really great network of certified coaches out there. I would avoid being coached by someone who wasn't certified. That's just my personal feeling. Next question. Believe it or not, this is the question I get asked the most. Recently, you had a breast reduction. I'm considering doing that. Can you talk about it? Why haven't you talked about it? Um, I haven't talked much about it just because it happened. I got it done the month before my dad died. Um, It's funny to me, too, that before I had a breast reduction, no one in the world, male or female, had any problem commenting on the size of my breasts. Afterwards, if I bring up the topic of breast reduction, people get really uncomfortable. Isn't that interesting? So I've always been a larger size, no matter how much I weighed, um, always like a size D. Um, I saved up for many years and um, in my mid forties, I'm 49 now, my breast tissue got very dense and very heavy. I um, always have had to double bra. It's always been an issue for me running. In one Ironman, I wrapped duct tape around myself during the run. Um, It wasn't my smartest idea, but it worked. Um, And I think there's a lot of, um, is the right word, judgment or stigma if you have plastic surgery. But there was a time in, oh, it must have been 2021 where I kind of was like, it's time to go get a consult. Um, The first surgeon I went to asked me what my husband thought. So I didn't go with that surgeon. I came home and asked my husband what he thought, and he said, this is not my body. So right answer. Second surgeon I went to was Dr. Ashley Amalfi. She is at the Quetella uh, Center for Plastic Surgery. One of the reasons I went to her was because not only was she highly recommended, but she has a degree in fine arts. So I knew she had kind of an artist's touch, if that makes sense. Um, she, I was nervous to go because I was worried, I don't know, you know, it's weird when you walk in to have plastic surgery done. Um, 
everyone's there getting implants or so you think, and then here you are wanting to be smaller. So, um, it was an absolutely wonderful experience from start to finish at Quetella with Dr. Amalfi. She was kind. She completely understood. Um, she was like, oh gosh, yes, we can definitely help you. She was appalled that I ever wrapped duct tape around myself or felt that I had to. She was appalled that, um, I would ever have hesitation about having a surgery such as this. She really treats you like it's, you know, if this is what you want to do, this is your body. If this helps you, then you should do it. Um, it took, uh, it was an outpatient procedure. They took me from a D to a B. And I will tell you that as an athlete, even just as a person, it was life changing. I didn't have the, I don't have the grooves in my shoulders anymore. I can one, run with one bra. I, you know, have even not gone for a run, but like can go braless, which is if you've ever been um, someone who's on the larger size of uh, the breast scale, you know that that's unheard of. I could always wear a bikini top, but now I can wear a bikini top and not worry about falling out of it. Um, it was just wonderful. Again, it was an outpatient procedure. The pain was absolutely minimal. Um, and running is a whole different experience right now. It really, I was back to work, even though I work from home the next day. It was simple. It was, they, they just do such a good job of making you feel comfortable in every way. Um, I can definitely do a whole episode on that that has been asked of me. And um, I will do that. But I know that I've got some, I got a friend who's having um, the surgery done in April. And she was hoping to hear. Um, Life-changing, the only thing I regret is not doing it sooner. But it is kind of funny how people had no problem talking about it to me before the surgery. But when I mentioned that I had surgery, they're like, <gasps> um, so I would say that anyone else's opinion of you regarding this or regarding anything is none of your business. I highly recommend Dr. Amalfi. She was just wonderful. Quetella, wonderful experience. Um, they do deal with insurance. They understand how to work that. And if it's an option for you, I hope that um, you do it because it was great. All right. I do have some episodes coming up, some new um, Nurses Voices episodes. I have four interviews in Buffalo that I'm hoping to knock out in April and in May. Um, and just a whole bunch of stuff coming up that I'm super excited to share with you. If you have any ideas for episodes or you have someone interesting that you would like to hear from, shoot me a message or an email. If you have any listener questions, those are really fun and, and a great way to get an episode out. So I'm happy to answer those and uh, have a great rest of your day.